The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> A few months ago, I stood in front of an empty sanctuary to preach, and I assumed on that Sunday that that day would likely represent the strangest moment of my ministry. Now, less than three months later, I find myself still in an empty sanctuary reflecting on events of the last week, which have once again felt profoundly unexpected and, to use a word I have heard repeated many times in the last week, unprecedented. And here we are today, gathered as God's people in the midst of these unprecedented times to try to make sense of it all. And I want to begin with what may sound like an obvious point, which is this. I stand before you today as your pastor. And that means that my job today, even in these unprecedented times, is to do what I am always called to do. And one way I think about what that means is that I am called to serve as an ambassador of a disputed sovereign. That's how a favorite author of mine talks about the work of a pastor, an ambassador of a disputed sovereign, which means I am asked to stand before you, whether it is during times of peace or unrest, during times of sickness or health, during times of plenty or scarcity, and be a messenger, a herald, a spokesperson for a ruler, a king, who the world may not always recognize, who is disputed and challenged and questioned, a ruler who in this life we cannot see clearly or experience fully. That ruler, of course, is Jesus, and his kingdom is sometimes described as the peaceable kingdom. One of the famous passages that references this kingdom comes from Isaiah, which we often hear in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Here is how it reads. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like, like the ox. The nursing child will play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's one way the Bible describes this peaceable kingdom. And today, particularly, we long for this kingdom. We ache 
for this kingdom because we are aware of how far away we are from it. And so we pray for it to become realized. We pray for it to become actualized. We pray for it to become a reality, not just a dream. This is what we pray for all the time in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Establish your reign, God, we are praying. Establish your rule. Make your sovereignty known. Thy kingdom come. Today in the church here, we celebrate Pentecost, sometimes called the birthday of the church. It is when the first disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We heard that reading. Um, I hope most of it, I, I apologize, Maya, if we had some audio problems there, but thank you for reading it, Maya. That reading is famously difficult. Um, it is, again, the moment when the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a moment that I think it would also be call, fair to call unprecedented. That event, like events of the past week, also involve, involved tongues of fire. But the fire of Pentecost was a fire that energized and transformed and redeemed and galvanized rather than a fire that destroyed. It was a fire that drove those first disciples and disciples of Jesus ever since to try to live up to the ideals of God's peaceable kingdom. It is true, to be sure, that we have not always succeeded. We have not always lived up to those ideals, but they are real and they matter. And they go to the heart of some of the complicated and deep and profound challenges around race that we continue to experience in our country. As a reflection of these ideals, I think of Paul's letter to the Galatians, for example, when he wrote that there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. All of you are one. Each of us, in other words, is equal in the sight of God. Each of us is loved, not because of anything we have done, but because God is love. Each of us has infinite worth, not because we have earned it, but because God has not only created us, but has also redeemed us at the cost of his own life. And as Christians, we are called to live our lives in response to the love that God has for us. We are called to reflect this love to one another. We are called, as Paul says in another place, to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We hear words like those, humility, gentleness, patience, love, unity, peace, and again, we realize right now how far away we are from living them out or experiencing them fully. It is obvious that we have not yet arrived at God's promised peaceable kingdom. It is obvious that rather than being led and directed by God's spirit of unity, the world continues to be directed and misled by darker demonic forces that want to divide us and destroy us. And to be very clear, those dark and demonic forces are something very different than righteous anger or peaceful protests. These dark and demonic forces work in opposition to God's peaceable kingdom. These forces try to blind us. They try to make us see only what separates us rather than what draws us together and unites us. 
The death of George Floyd is a painful reminder of all of this. It is a painful reminder of how far we still have to go before we reach God's peaceable kingdom. An article about Mr. Floyd in Christianity Today is worth reading, and I commend it to you. He was, the article reports, a man who lived in Houston's third ward for decades, for most of his life, where he was a mentor to a generation of young men. Community members in the third ward called Floyd their brother, uncle, or even their dad, because they lacked older male figures to serve as a positive influence. One person who knew him from the housing project where Mr. Floyd ministered said his faith was a heart for the third ward that was radically charged by the gospel, and his mission was empowering other believers to be able to come in and push that gospel forward. He was, another person said, the definition of be the change you want to see. And one of the things he always said to young men was that God trumps street culture. I wonder if those two facts from Mr. Floyd's life, be the change you want to see and God trumps street culture, might be a helpful way forward for us today. On the first, be the change you want to see. We are already hearing from you, the good people of St. Philip the Deacon, with questions about how you can help. You want to be able to provide needed resources for the city we love. You want to be able to help rebuild Minneapolis. We are working hard to figure out how best to coordinate these efforts in the days ahead. Um, as one minor part of that, next week, in addition to celebrating our seniors and having communion, uh, hopefully we will be able to hand out donuts to cars in the parking lot before worship. At that time, we also hope we can have communicated to you things that you can bring uh, to drop off that we can provide as part of the rebuilding and cleaning efforts in Minneapolis. So stay tuned for more information about that. I am also, I want you to know, in touch with folks who can help us learn more about ways we can be the change uh, we want to see in more long-term, sustained, systemic ways. I was, for example, on the phone last night with Justin Terrell, the executive director for the Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage, which advises the governor and legislature. He was one of the community leaders who participated in yesterday afternoon's press conference, and he's someone I have known personally now for more than two decades. I pray that in the weeks and months ahead, Justin and others can teach us about how we at St. Philip the Deacon can more fully be the change we want to see. And then there's that other point I mentioned, that Mr. Floyd repeatedly taught and preached that God trumps street culture. I agree with that. And I would go even further and say that God trumps not only street culture, but all culture. In other words, the peaceable kingdom I re referenced earlier, earlier is our true home. It is where we are heading. It is where God is trying to lead us. And as Christians, it is what God calls us to try to make a reality today. At moments like this, we recognize the urgency of this calling. We recognize the need to make this peaceable kingdom more fully realized, to make the sovereignty of God not disputed, but visible. But we also remember the promise that even when we fail in those efforts, even when we don't actualize this kingdom perfectly, even when we stumble and fall, God promises that thanks to Jesus, 
God's kingdom will still triumph. Again, God trumps street culture. God trumps our mistakes. God trumps our failures. That's the point of Easter. God's love will not and cannot fail, no matter what. Paul makes the same point famously in the book of Romans. For I am convinced, he writes, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, and I would add, nor injustice, nor riots, nor murder, nor destruction, nor intimidation, nor fear, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, we have, been, we have in this past week been reminded of something that Christians have always known. The world is broken and fallen and in need of restoration. As Christians, God invites us to the high and holy calling to heal it, to lift it up, and to renew it. There is no question we have work to do. And there is no question God will help us accomplish it so that all of us, all of us, may finally experience God's peaceable kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Amen.